What do you call two guys that were there when this happened? Back to return at Spurlock. Michael Spurlock at the 10. He's to the 20. He's to the 25. Or the 30. To the 40-yard line. We could see history. 50, 40, to the 30-yard line. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. There you go. And that 62-yard field goal attempt. It is Eagles. Who can forget? Again, I'm looking again. Those up the middle. It's intercepted at the Derek 40. Brooks. Derek Brooks, 30. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Derek Brooks, the most valuable player in the National Football League. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. We call them the Salty Dogs. And here we go again on the Salty Dogs podcast. I've, I've lost count. I think it's 12 or 13. Yeah, it's so many, it's hard to keep track of. That's Jeff Ryan over yes, there talking. and that's Scott Smith over that's there. That's the first time we've done it that way. Yeah. We are the Salty Dogs. We're mixing it up a little bit. It's kind of the way we are. Oh, and wait a minute. Yeah, that's kind of what's going on around here. Um, Perfect. Nothing. Mi- no, mixing it up. Nice, quiet day at the Advent Health Center uh, Advent training. Health. Advent Health Training, training Center. Center. Advent, Advent Health, Health, one word. Um okay. No, I'm saying we're mixing it up here this week at one buck with uh, a change of defensive coordinator. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not trying to sound no. uh, lighthearted about that in any mm. way. Well, I, it's the underbelly of the business. You know, it, it's a performance business, as Dirk Cutter said. And what makes it difficult is that as a fan, you you get excited, you want changes. I mean, that's what a fan is all about. I get, you know, I get all of that. Unfortunately, it is a business, and with the business, there are people. Yeah. And it doesn't affect just one individual. You go away, it affects a family. It just, you know, it's in any company. It's just, a, you know, a company, someone gets relieved of their duties. It's not pleasant. Yeah, and that's the reason we feel that way in particular on this one is because Mike Smith is such a wonderful human being. Yes, Just no one question. of the nicest guys you'd ever care to meet. Mm-hmm. Always upbeat. Very upbeat. Um, <clears throat> I read his book. He, he had a good – I read his book and, uh, you know, it makes a lot of sense what he was saying in his book, but also in that book it's performance-based. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's it's dating back really to last year. The results on defense weren't good last year. Mm-hmm. And it's anybody's question. And this is what I've been asked repeatedly on the live show, huh. on Twitter, whatever. What is Mark Duffner going to do that's going to change everything? And that is not an easy question to answer. No. All you can really do is speculate. And you have to acknowledge that Mark Duffner and all the other assistant coaches have been working on the same staff since 2016. So this isn't like a hard 180 that's happening here. No. I guess this is getting a new voice, um, a new perspective in charge, I suppose. We don't know yet if he's going to make any substantive lineup changes. There's not a whole lot you can really do. Mm. We already use most of our defensive players anyway, everybody on the D-line. Um, you know, the with Vernon Hargraves and Chris Conte out, you kind of erased a lot of your cushion there for what you could do with defensive changes yeah. On, on, in the secondary, I mean, you've got who you've got. And, and anybody out there is, who's thinking we're going to solve this with a trade, uh, yeah. don't count on that. I mean, yeah, I know the names people are throwing around out there, and they're, a couple of them are exciting, but I'll believe it when I see it because trades in the NFL very rarely happen and very rarely have any impact in the middle of the season. Right. And Khalil Mack being traded to the Bears yeah. has had a huge impact, unfortunately. Yes, but <clears throat> it's not to say something won't happen. It's not to say something will happen. We're just saying, you know, you want – Don't count on that. Yeah, I, I think, too, though, with a different voice, I think that becomes part of it. Another side of it is, like anything else, when no matter what you do for a living, if you go ahead and, and um, 
someone in your department or someone in, in your area gets fired or gets released of their duties, it makes you stand up a little bit straighter. Hmm. It makes you look around and... You think there's a light of fire on other players? Maybe not as com- maybe not as comfortable as you thought you were. So I think that's a big deal. I think I think that will will play. But you won't know the difference until maybe perhaps on Sunday against Cleveland. You I think might it'll take see a something. couple weeks to know. Yeah, I, I think there might be a little more pep in everybody's step. That's what you're hoping for. That's why you make a change in the middle of the season. Why else would you? It's possible that the timing was really good too, because um, like if you made the change before the Atlanta game. And then your defense, they did make a lot of changes. Dirk mm-hmm. said they thought they had a good, good game plan, and they made a lot of changes in defense and still didn't get the results they were hoping to get, uh, because in part because Atlanta's offense is that good. They're very good. So Cleveland is getting a lot better. They're definitely mm-hmm. a much more respectable team now. They, they, I think they're about 20th in offense. I like Baker Mayfield. He's having the normal ups and downs of a rookie. But it's safe to say that if you were throwing somebody new into the fire, you'd rather have it to happen at home against Cleveland than on the road against Atlanta. Yeah, and I think, you know, the argument's always going to be, well, if you're going to make the change, why didn't you make the change after the Chicago game? And I, I understand that. Well, I, I understood it, and I, and I, if it was me, if someone came to me and said, hey, your job's on the line, you got to figure out something. I want, I want a heads up. I, I want to be able to. Maybe he did. But well, that's what I'm saying. Yes. So uh, to go back in, Dirk saying, we did a self-evaluation. We talked about it, blah, blah, blah. Got feedback from the players. He's not going to share what the players had said. So this whole combination of, of all this different information coming in, and now you're going to play an opponent that you know really well, and – Mike Smith knows the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, that's true. So, so I got why why you would do that. And then if you make the change after that, well, then it's like, okay, things aren't going to get better. Yeah. I guess they have to. And, uh, you know, part of it's personal, too. I mean, Dirk had to make that call. That that's, was tough for him, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but, he, but I give credit. He made the call, and he owns it. Yeah. Uh, well, they're both stand-up guys. No question. Mike and Dirk. Um so we're going to learn a lot more. Mark Duffner has been a defensive coordinator in this league before. It was when the Bucks were winning the Super Bowl, so it's been a while. But he has not – it's not like he's gotten away from the game and not seen the changes. He's been a coach every year since then. He's just been linebackers coaches for a couple teams. Uh, but, yeah, he was a defensive coordinator with the Bengals. Uh, he's been a head coach on the college level. at won a couple awards, in fact, mm-hmm. uh, Coach of the Year awards. So – he would seem to have – he was the right choice in my mind if you're promoting from within because he's the guy that's had that sort of leadership experience. They're all good coaches, but he's the one that has that experience in, in leading men to fall back on. And Levante David was talking about – I didn't even realize because I guess I haven't watched that part of practice closely enough, but apparently he's very energetic, mm-hmm. um, very enthusiastic, and he brings a lot of excitement. And he's Levante got a really good sense of humor too, if that it? matters. <laughs> We're talking about Duffner, right? Yes, yes. He's quietly. I guess I haven't heard him. Yes, he he's one. He's like stealth with his. Yeah. When when he's there, but you don't really see him. So, um, moving on to mm-hmm. other topics, right? There's other things. First of all, we're gonna have a guest, and if you click on this link, you already know who it is. Right. If you're a Bucks fan of any length of time, you recognize that name. The reason we called Mr. Mark Carrier and asked him if he would come on, and he so graciously did, is Mike Evans just finally broke his, his franchise career receiving record that Mark Carrier set and has been standing for like more than 20 years, so or around 20 years. So that's kind of a big deal. It's huge. And, uh, you know, he was. It, it also made us bring up Mark Carrier's name a lot, who was one of the great receivers in Buccaneer history. And so we gave him a call. He works. He's like the assistant to the general manager. Well, you sound, like we've, you've, you sound like we've already done this, but we haven't. 
Well, I know. No, I'm saying uh, yeah. I set it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I called him. No, I, I, I mean, yes. I emailed him. So he's, we're going to call him here yes. in what, about 10 minutes? About that. Minutes? Uh, and he graciously agreed to come on, and hopefully we'll talk to him a little bit about that and some old times, which we like to do with the, the guys that we get on. We've been had a lot of really great former Buccaneers on already. And, and maybe get a little insight into the Panthers, who we still have to play twice. Yes. That's good, Jeff. Yes. It, it, it is. I just don't like the Panthers. So the Buck. Oh, I agree with you. I, have, I just don't. Although I rank them in terms of how much I despise the three teams in our league. In They're our number one. Yeah, a lot of people say that. For me, Atlanta's number one. Is it? Yes, easily. Yeah. And then Carolina and then New Orleans. I yeah. don't, New Orleans doesn't bother me, although they play in the worst stadium in the league. Right. Um, anyway, the Buccaneers have two games left against Carolina. The reason why I'm laughing is I'm thinking about the worst stadium in the league. And I, yeah, you're right. It's yeah. close to it, yes. Uh, the, the Buccaneers are 2-3. and three. They do have those two games left against the Panthers. Also, one more against both New Orleans and Atlanta, and those are both home games. So three of our four remaining division games are at home. They're all in the last five weeks of the season. So my point in all of this is nothing's been decided yet. No. This is the... Th- this unfortunately is the fourth straight season that the Buccaneers have started out two and three after five games, uh, and it's the, those seasons have gone in every different direction. Mm-hmm. I mean, two years ago we were nine and seven. Last year we were five and eleven, and a lot of it had to come down to how you did in really close games, which has been a problem during this three-game losing streak. Right, and I always go back to the to Tony Dungy as good teams start getting good in October. That's right. And we've we talked better, about that how, better happen now. how teams begin is everyone goes, oh, this is a great team. Oh, look at them. Look at them. And then all of a sudden, no, they're mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is crunch time. This, yeah. is where, this is where you become relevant in, in November and December, that but, it, it keeps going. And this is what we're going to find out in, a, in an NFC that's a little hard to figure other than the, that the Rams are really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, s- some teams are going to come out of the pack now, and that includes, like, your Minnesotas. Your Green Bay's, who got lucky last night. Yes, uh, they you know they both been floundering a little more than expected. Uh, your Carolinas, maybe even Atlanta can get back into it. Um, I'm not worried about most of the NFC East. It looks like it'll probably be just one team from there. Maybe Seattle. All these teams have yet to really catch fire, and somebody's going to, like you say, in November mm-hmm. is where it starts. Mm-hmm. So you, got, like, you just got to be. Within striking distance. In 1999, as an example, the Buccaneers were 2-3, and three, yeah. and they ended up going all the way to the NFC Championship game. And in 2001, they were 2-3 and three and made the playoffs. It happens all the time, and my point is nothing has been decided yet. You'd nope. rather be 4-1. and one. Mm. There's no way we're going to win that Chicago game, no matter how you throw it together. But right. we could have won the other team, too. Mm-hmm. So you'd rather be 4-1, and one, but everything is fine. The sky is not falling. My thought is... Be careful if, using that term. Last guy that used that term is no longer with us. Who? The sky is falling. It's not falling. Oh, he did say that. Yeah. was Mike. That was Mike. And we share a last name. Yeah, yeah. Smith. Coincidence. Yeah, you could have warned me. Is that ironic? No. Okay. No. Irony is when something, when a situation produces the opposite result of what you would expect. Okay. You want me to explain it to you? No, I, I, I mean, usually give, use it to, give, yeah, just because it's a word that you hate people that, well, not you, but there is a... a, a I have grown to accept that people aren't going to use that word right, okay. and I know what they mean when they say it, so it's not a big deal. But if, if somebody wants to know what irony means... Go ahead. This is the old George Carlin bit, and I'm paraphrasing it. You remember the great comedian George Carlin? I do. If, if, a, man, if a diabetic man is going to the drugstore to, um, to, get, uh, to get insulin... And uh, because if he doesn't, he's going to die. Right. And on the way there, he gets hit by a truck and is killed. That's not ironic. It's just a bummer. <laughs> if <laughs> if he is going to the drugstore 
and he gets hit by a truck that was delivering insulin to the drugstore. <laughs> That's, That's ironic. ironic. Because the truck delivering the insulin was supposed to save him, and instead it killed him. Note to self. Okay. So if you ever wonder, you can just remember that whole George Carlin. Remember Collins. that old There's thing. a little bit more to it. I missed a right. little part of it, but I think I get the gist right. of it. But, but um, with, you know, with second quarter of the season, and, you know, you lose the first game in the second quarter of the season. So, so now you got three chances to yeah. see where you go. Yeah. What I was going to say was if this change and any other changes that come on defense can just make the Buccaneers – okay, kind of mediocre but not terrible on defense. You know, you don't expect a defense that's done what it's done for the last year and five games to suddenly be one of the best in the league. We're, right. not, we're not expecting that, right? Correct. But if they're kind of – if they're just good enough to complement that incredible offense, this team can win a ton of games. What I find stunning is you and I are talking about how our offense is awesome. It's not the bucket. And energy. how are we going to at least – come on, defense – Make a stop. It's the get bizarre a world. Get a pick. Things that you would not expect to hear from a Buccaneer, fr- from a Buccaneer fan. <laughs> that dang, our defense is, isn't you know. If only so many times, like if only we could score one touchdown, we're going to win the right. game. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was um, just looking at that um, for something I was writing. Uh, when we played Cleveland in 2002. Remember that was the game where Mike Allstadt ran through like nine yes. defenders? Yes, like a bowling ball. It was an incredible play, and we won that game 17-3, to and it was a stretch of five games where in those five games combined, the Buccaneers' defense gave up 30 points combined. Three of those were on the road. They didn't allow a single offensive touchdown in any of those road games. They allowed In that five-game span, they allowed two offensive touchdowns and scored four defensive touchdowns. <laughs> Our defense was outscoring the... The other side. That's the Buccaneers yeah. we know. Sap used to say, offense, give us 17, right. we're going to win. So that'd be an interesting thought exercise. Yeah. Obviously, if you, if you could do it, if you could take the offense from this year, which I think is the best offense in team history, mm-hmm. and pair them with the 2002 defense, would they lose a game? Probably not. And and then you could do that for every franchise. Like, if you could take the Steelers' offense, their their peak in the last few years, yeah. and put it with the Steel the Curtain, curtain. Uh, you know, I don't think... Unstoppable. I don't think... Um, I'm... I'm yeah, omnipotent I'm, aliens could defeat that yeah. team, <laughs> right? And you could do that with most teams, I'd imagine. Right. That would be fun to do. I, yeah, but it, it. We were sitting at lunch, and I didn't want to say that because a lot of times you and I will have lunch together. We'll be talking, and I try not to do a yeah, show. Yeah, that's when I don't notice you're at the table. Yes, when I when and I sit down, and I'm like, oh, well, it would be rude to get up now. Yeah. So then, um, <laughs> I derailed you. I did. It's easy. Oh, look, a shiny penny. We were sitting at the. Well, you oh, we were sitting something. at the table, and you were talking about our offense, and you were talking about that. Uh, you know, we get a running game going a little bit. How well things would be yeah. going. Yeah. And I and I thought of how crazy is this? We're discussing how how our defense needs to step up once in a while. So I didn't want to say it at lunch. That's funny because it's it's not only that, but it's those great teams uh, leading up to the Super Bowl year and, and Dungey's tenure were. Or not just defense, it was defense and running the ball. Mm-hmm. Defense and running the ball. We've all stopped and done. Now it's the exact opposite. Nope. Exact opposite. We need to meet in the middle. Somewhere. Somehow. We need we need turnovers, Jeff. We well, have we need... one interception this year. One. That's hard to believe. It's 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 somewhat a, a, a symptom of the same thing of all this other stuff with the passing numbers going through the roof. I mean, I, I think I remember the Raiders last year not getting a single interception to like – 12 or 13 games in the season. and It's so easy to pass the ball now. I do think that we have the best offensive collection of talent we've ever had right now. 
but I also think the numbers are so much so inflated over what the Bucks have ever done before mm-hmm. because everybody's are. I mean, you're seeing 42, 35 games all over the place. And I think that's what the league kind of wanted because everyone gets excited about offense, offense, right. offense. So. We had 512 yards in that game. We've had we had six 500-yard games in team history before this year, and now we've had two in the first five games of this mm-hmm. week. And we've lost uh, like three. Well, not of this those year, eight? But, but out of those, I think we lost three. Lost four. Of, yeah, three. Uh, yeah. You know, but that dates only back to 1980. Yeah, you go 500 yards, you think you're doing pretty well. You're playing lights out. Um, before we move on, I do want to talk about the last play of the game. Okay. Um, I found it to be, uh, you know, if you want excitement and that's a play where either you're going to go awesome call or not an awesome call, very similar to tell the guy to kick, tell Matt Bryant he needs to kick a 57-yard field goal. And Dirk Cutter said it after the game. That was a ballsy call. I did not agree with that call at all. No. I was shocked that they did that. Right. Unfortunately, it worked. Right. Former Buccaneer Matt Bryant, who we know can kick a 57-yard field But he's out this week now. He got hurt? Yeah, he pulled a hammy. On that play? Yes. Well, it was worth it. He limped off the field as soon as he made the kick. Yeah, as soon as he made the kick, he went off. And probably one of the best medical people who's not a doctor at all is Dave Moore. Dave can watch a player walk, and he will tell you what is wrong with him. So we, I, I hit the call button and said, uh, Matt Bryant's limping off. And Dave looks down, and Dave goes, oh, yeah, that's a hamstring. He pulled a hammy. You can tell by how he was walking. Just how he was walking. And, um, you know, he's 42 years old. This is, yeah. you know. He's been going at it for a long time. He's been going at it a long time. So, yeah, I thought that was – because if they miss that, and even with the kicker you trust, a 57-yard yep. field goal is probably 50-50. Yeah, and if you miss, you're you're almost in yeah. field goal so range. So that means we would be at the 47. Mm-hmm. We'd be at our 47, mm-hmm. and we only needed a field goal – we would only need a field goal to win. Right. Because it was 31-29. to 29. So they were given – they were – they were gambling that they would give us the ball with like a minute left to go, what, 20 yards and kick a field goal? Yes. If he misses, that's the reality of the situation. I was stunned that they did that. Well, he, he, I guess he went for the win. He did. He just he said, you know, but in, I understand why he would do that simply because we were marching or the Bucks were marching down the field pretty easily at that's that true. point in time. Right. So you're looking at it and your defense, Atlanta defense was struggling. So, okay, let's go for broke. We're we're one and four right now. Let's go for broke. Yeah, I do often wonder how much a team's record influences how ballsy a guy will be with his calls. Well, there's that. But you brought you start I know we gotta finish this soon because yeah. we gotta call Mark, but let's just talk real briefly. You you brought you started that whole thing by talking about um the last the play. last play of the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I liked the call because I mean that throwing the ball into a defense where they're all standing in the end zone from 20 yards out is not a high percentage play mm-hmm. anyway. So this was also a low percentage play, but it had the chance of catching him totally by surprise. I can tell you, I was standing on the sideline by that point, really close to it, and I, I was like, "What is he doing?" And he starts running like if he if he crosses the line, the game is over. We're mm-hmm. done. As is he aware that he's crossing the line? It was a planned play, as we find out. I thought at the time that as soon as that his first lateral hit the ground that that was it because you can still recover it in the last two minutes but you can't advance your teammates fumble even if it's backwards mm-hmm. in the last two minutes so we could get recovery but anywhere we went from there wasn't going to count i still there's still people in this building who disagree and I, so i'm not 100 percent sure i'm right but dirt cutter said at his press conference yesterday that the refs told him after the game that that was the case it would not have counted yes and it goes back 
number of years. Well, it started because of the Holy Roller, yeah. Right, but that was that one was forward, and they did it on purpose, mm-hmm. and that's what they were trying to legislate out. Obviously, Jameis wasn't trying to fumble, but I still think that's But if the you rule. go backwards, that's a lateral. It's still so, a fumble. So, it's, if you lateral and it hits the ground, it's a fumble. Okay. That's in it. the last two minutes. Anytime it's a fumble. Oh, okay. But it's only in the last two minutes that, that another player on your team can, can advance. advance. See, the idea is... You, if it was, if you, if it was like ten minutes left in the game, you would never purposely do that because it's too risky. But if it's down the last ten seconds, you might as well, and they don't want you to have that option. So if it had been successful, where He'd had he, to catch it. he had to catch it, then it's. Success. I think that's what's confusing people. People think the play itself is illegal or would not have counted. In this particular instance, it's true. But had they called that play and he passed it off. And lateral back, and it was caught, and then it went again, and then again. And that was the kind of the idea. That was that would be good. From watching it and re- re- afterwards, it seemed like the idea was to lateral to whoever he was trying to get it to with that first one, Winston. I don't know if that mm. was Humphreys or it was Humphreys. Uh, that that one's complete, and then then Jackson's way out on the wing, mm-hmm. and you get it out to him. I think it went from Jameis to Humphreys to Evans. Well, what happened Almost was it hit the ground. Uh, Humphreys tried to grab it and turn, but the ball squirted out of his hands, hit the ground again. Evans was able to get to it, and then he made the like jump back. Move. A really nice yes. lateral to Deshaun, and I know both players were livid when the ball went through Deshaun's hands. Seeing the replay, I don't think he gets in anyway, mm-hmm. and as we've said, I don't think the play counts anyway, so not coming down mm-hmm. on Deshaun, who's having a wonderful year. Uh but that they were mad. But I <laughs> they thought but, they missed an opportunity. But what I liked about it is that it showed creativity. It was, exactly. It, it is we're going all out. We're not we're not leaving anything on the field. And they have practiced it. They and didn't it, just make it up. They didn't draw mm-hmm. it in the dirt. Mm-hmm. And if you and you know if you're successful, then you're you're right now you're in Atlanta going. Yeah, of course you go for a 57 <laughs> yard field goal. Why wouldn't you? Exactly. So it's 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 well good. they they made the right call as it turned out. But of course your call's always right when it works, right? And you're always wrong when it doesn't work. Unfortunately, so we're gonna wrap this part up because we got to give our guest a call. Yep. He's he's in Charlotte, so we couldn't have him in the studio, but he's gracious enough to join us. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Well, oh, well in just on the a podcast, few seconds. it'll seem like yeah. just a couple seconds. Yeah, it will be a couple seconds with Mr. Mark Carrier, the Salty Dogs, and we're back here on the Salty Dogs, and we have our guest with us now. And Jeff and I are both very excited about very it. very much. We, so we haven't uh, had a chance to speak. With him for many, many years, but we know how his career went, career went even after he left. That's Mark Carrier, one of the greatest players in franchise history. Mark, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. And Mark, uh, who whose career continued on with Cleveland yes. and Carolina, now works for the Panthers. He works for the enemy, Jeff. So, I know. Mark, tell us what you do there. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say the enemy. Well, maybe twice a year, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. What is it that you do, Mark? Uh, I'm actually... Uh, I actually got a promotion back in July. I'm now a senior advisor to the GM. Nice. Wow. Uh, I went from uh, player development director my first seven years back, and then when Marty Herney uh, got hired full-time earlier this spring, he he increased my role and just made me senior advisor to to the GM. So you're you're advising on, on personnel uh, decisions? Then. I'm doing that. I'm uh, scouting. I'm analyzing. I'm going over players, looking over players. Uh, I think anything that Marty kind of throws my way. I mean, most times we sit down and have conversations about uh, the state of the team or the state of the players or uh, anything, basically. So I'm kind of his guy that he kind of bounces things off of. So is this a prelude to hopefully one day you becoming a GM? 
You know what? I don't know. Uh, I'm just a firm believer that, uh, that God kind of directs your path, and I just try to follow the path that he has me on. You know, um, Mark, we were talking at the lunch table the other day when your name came up. We're like, we were uh, annoyed that the Panthers got to you first because right. we always love when we can get former players to come actually work here, like a Shelton Quarles mm-hmm. or an Alex Smith. But uh, it's great to hear that's working out so well for you. Uh, your name came up, uh, it's coming up a lot now, as, as you probably knew. I don't know if you were following it, that Mike Evans was closing in on your uh, franchise record for receiving yards. Were you aware of that? I was not. Uh, I had a, uh, a friend of mine who was uh, in Tampa who texted me during the game saying that my name came up and that uh, that Mike had, had broke the record or something of that nature. And, and uh, so that that's the, the extent of it. I always wondered how how guys felt when that happens. You, you, your record stood for a really long time, and it's still obviously a great number in franchise history. So, how does it feel when you find out something like that? Honestly, you know, my last year at the Buccaneers was 1992. I didn't even have a child then. <laughs> you know, uh, so it, it's so long ago. My oldest is 23 now. So, it, it's just weird um, that. You know, you hear that stuff, and, and you don't think about it because, you know, my my time in Tampa, you know, I had six years there, and even though we didn't win, I felt I had a good good years there, and I enjoyed playing there. Uh, so you go out and you play, and you don't think about the numbers you put up, and I've never really thought about that. And and I heard a little bit about some stuff last year while we were there uh, to play uh, Tampa, but this year, you know, I didn't really think about it. You know, when you when you're thinking about all the stuff you have to do on this end of town and, and, and this part of the country and trying to win games or for your team here, you don't really don't think about those things. That makes sense. You you went on, as I said, to Cleveland and then obviously Carolina and ended up close to 9,000 yards and 50 touchdowns in your career. So those are big numbers. But do you think if you were playing the NFL in this day and age, what those could possibly be? Because the passing numbers are just going crazy these days. Well, Quite frankly, I mean, when you think about that, I, I don't think about the numbers. I think about the money I would be. <laughs> that's right. That's a number. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's what you think about. But seriously, you know, I, I know how the league has evolved, and uh, it definitely has become pass-friendly. Uh, and, and so I do think about that. I, I, I actually mess with some of my DBs here <laughs> and, and joke with them, tell them how I, used to, I would dominate them. I'd beat them up and all the stuff like that in my heyday. But uh, – you, you know, I really don't think about that. Yeah. Well, what's, what's funny is when when you think of Buccaneer receivers, you go back in time, and we always never really had great offenses, but you would think of Kevin House and you would think of Mark, Mark Carrier. Carrier right? And I remember, Mark, that you had a 200-yard game, and I want to say it was against New Orleans. Do you remember that game? I do, I do. Uh, it was special to me because I'm actually from Louisiana, born and raised in Louisiana, and so uh, – not being grown, growing up a Saints fan and not being drafted by the Saints, I always had a chip on my shoulder <laughs> when I played against the Saints because I always wanted to say, hey, this is what you could have had if you had drafted me. But uh, I definitely remember that. I got a friend of mine who actually calls me 212. That's my nickname <laughs> because uh, he, he always remembered that number, and, and every time he sees me, he calls me 212. Nice. When you, you're talking about numbers, so I, I have to know why. In um, you had two numbers in Tampa Bay. Yeah. You had 88 and 89. What's the significance of 88, and why did you jump to 89? I think it was the other way around. Or was it the other, the way, other around? way around? Yeah, my my college number was 88. And when I got drafted by the Bucks, 
I think there was an 88 on the roster, and so I was given 89. And so my second year, uh, that player was no longer there, and so I asked Coach Ray Perkins at the time, uh, could I switch numbers? And uh, he asked me why, and I told him, of course, because it was my college number. And so I was 88 from that point on. Now, even when I went to Cleveland, I tried to get 88, but 88 was taken, and I was offered it if I would buy it. And there's no number that's that special to me. <laughs> I took 83 and, and kept going. Speaking of that, of being drafted, mm-hmm. that was the 87 draft, and that was the Vinny Testaverde right, draft. Right. If you look at, like, nowadays a team tends to draft somewhere between, like, six and eight players a year. Mark, I don't know the exact number. You might remember. You were in a draft class that was something like 15 players. Yeah, totally remade that team. more than that. I think, it, I think it might be 20 guys. Wow. Uh, wow. Because we had quite a number of guys. It's, it's funny. When I returned here – our offensive coordinator was Mike Shula. That's right. And Mike Shula and I were in that draft together because <laughs> he was the 12th round pick yeah, that's right. of that draft class. And so we actually came in together. We played together uh, for the year or two that he was there. So we reconnected when I returned to Carolina. Yeah, Vinny was in that draft. Bruce Hill was in that draft, I Bruce think. Bruce Hill was in that draft. Uh, um, there was a running back. Uh, I think Ron Hall was in that draft. Oh, Ron Hall, that tight was a end. Number Ricky Reynolds was in that draft. Oh, wow. Wow. Ricky, yeah. hey, Ricky's doing TV work here now. Yeah, yeah, he's doing well. He's doing well. Uh, so yeah, we had a a load of people. Yeah, in the class. and and a brand new coach. So that was really a, a whole reset for the franchise that mm-hmm. year. And it and, really was. Yeah, and it started with drafting Vinny first overall, and that's the guy who threw most of your the passes that you caught. Um, do you still mm-hmm. keep in touch with him? Yes, every now and then we kind of uh, text each other, see how he's doing. He's doing well. Yeah, still in the area. I know he had some sons that were a son that was playing college ball. So, uh, yeah, I keep up with him. Mark played six years here. He played for three head coaches in the six years. We had a coaching change here as a player. How do you react to that, and how does it affect you as a player? When you're all of a sudden with a new coach, whether it's a position coach, a coordinator, or a head coach. Well, I think the hardest thing about it is you become accustomed to a certain type of way to do things. And when a new coach comes in, whether it's a coordinator, whether it's a head coach, you have to change how you operate, how you do things, because you are looked at differently. Uh, most times, I mean, for us, in my three years, in my six years there with the three coaches, between having Coach Perkins and Coach Williamson and then Coach uh, White, three different personalities. That's so for sure. You had to change according to how he did things. But, I mean, you're a pro. You, you pay to play the game, you, you, a game you love to play, and you try to adapt. And, uh, and, and, and particularly during the middle of the season, I mean, or beginning of the season, like the Bucks are changing now, uh, that defense is going to look differently, but they're going to have to adjust to uh, how things will be. Yeah, that's what we're all wondering about here. We, we don't know... What's going to happen? You know, we know they needed to make some kind of change, they felt, but it's hard to predict what that's going to be, so it'll be interesting. I can imagine it's going to major, though, because you know when you, when you hire someone or, or someone replaces someone who's already been on staff, uh, he has an idea of the philosophy of the head coach. So he was just trying to bring the team together in a different way, but under the same umbrella that the head coach or vision of the head coach. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so hopefully. Well explained. Yeah, um, Mark. So uh, as we said up top, you're you're with the Panthers. Um, 
and uh, got promoted to, I think you said the assistant, assistant GM. GM. So No, it's not the assistant. I, it, I tell guys all the time, it's, it's senior advisor. Senior advisor. Oh. Sorry about that. It's not assistant GM money. Assistant GM money. So it's, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, so you're getting paid on a title, huh? <laughs> So, um, so we thought this would be our, a perfect opportunity for us to get just secret inside information on yes. the Panthers. Guys, <laughs> we're so good at this. <laughs> no, really, if, if, there are any, if we can't ask you a few questions about Carolina, um, for instance, um, it seems like Christian McCaffrey is really starting to grow into the role that everybody envisioned for him when they drafted him last year. Is that, is that what it looks like there? Yeah, he really has. Uh, I think there was a lot of expectation. You know, when you, when you – we went through a – Offensive coordinator changed this year. So we adjusted how we did some things. Uh, Cam had to adjust some things because our offense changed somewhat. But one of the things that we made sure we did was we tried to get the ball in Christian's hand quite a bit because uh, we know that when he has it in space, he's very dynamic in what he does. So I think North Turner has done a really good job of trying to uh, make him one of the focal points of the offense and, and get, get him in the right positions to use the talents that he has. Cam's numbers look pretty good. I mm-hmm. haven't seen a lot of their games, uh, so I guess he's adjusting well to what Norv's doing? He has. He has. He really has. Uh, you know, and I think the best thing about it is uh, it's friendly to what he wants to do. I mean, it, it's he wants to get rid of the ball more, and that's what, that's what Cam has worked on a lot this offseason, get rid of the ball quicker, uh, try to dump down, not trying to be that – big play guy all the time. Uh, everybody knows who watched Cam know that his one of his big, biggest assets is his legs, is his running ability. Uh, we have not done that as much uh, because he's been able to get the ball out quickly in this playmaker's hands and, and has been paid dividends for it. The only Carolina game I saw was when you played against the Giants and you ended up kicking the, what, 63-yard field goal? Right. And right. and so having, having been on the other side of someone kicking 57, uh, this past week. This past weekend, uh, you you have to be pretty impressed with a 63 yarder. We really were, but but the unfortunate thing for us is, I mean, we were leading the entire game, and 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 we think that we looked at as as good of of when it was. Uh, we felt that we shouldn't have have allowed it to get to that, and so we try to work on some things to make sure that. Uh, that situation doesn't happen because we led the entire game to the last minute, uh, and then they they drove down the field and scored on us. But uh, yeah, a win is a win, as you know. It's hard mm-hmm. to get a win in yeah. this league, so you try to uh, salvage all the ones you can, and, and the ones you don't, you just try to get better the next week from it. You guys are three and two. Uh, Bucks are two and three. We were Jeff and I were just talking before I called you that, uh, as Tony Dungy told Jeff, um, you the good teams usually start putting it together and take off in October. And it seems like the NFC, uh, apart from the Rams, is kind of wide open with a lot of teams maybe not doing as well as they'd hoped, like Minnesota, Green Bay to some extent. So you you buy into that idea that we've gotten to a point here where there's kind of a crowded field, but this is the point where some teams are going to start to put it together, and it could be the Panthers. You hope so because, like you said, I mean, this is the league this year, I think, particularly the NFC, it's – a whole lot different than it has been in the past. At this stage, you normally have three or four teams that are kind of pulling away. But like you said, I mean, other than the Rams, I mean, teams are beating teams. Uh, teams lose to a team, come back and beat the team that the other team had lost to and so, so forth. So it's kind of weird in that nature. But uh, you really just 
try to focus on the things you're trying to do to win and make sure that you're playing well as the season progresses. Because this is the time. You, you, you've, you've played four or five games at this point, and you now recognize, okay, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Let's, let's work on our strengths and try to minimize the weaknesses, and let's just continue to play and keep people healthy. I think that's uh, a good way to describe what the Bucks are hoping to do with their defense now. That's it, exactly. Find the strengths and minimize the weaknesses. And you, The Panthers, four of your five games have been decided by one score. The Buccaneers, four of our five, five games have been decided by one score. It just comes down to it at the end, making plays at the end, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. I mean, like, even for us this past weekend against Washington, I mean, we were down 17 or nothing before you know it because of ter- three turnovers. And then we, towards the end of the game, we found ourselves with an opportunity to win when we got down to the 16-yard line and could not cash it in. So we know one play was the difference maker in that game. Even being down 17 to nothing, we had a chance to win it at the end. So it really is. It's, it's how you finish and how you try to keep teams from finishing against you. Whereas two weeks ago we were celebrating winning on a 63-yard field goal, and last week we not celebrating because we can't convert on the last play. Yep, and uh, Bucks and Panthers still have two games nope. against each other. Three weeks out ahead, and and I bet you those plays will come down to one play again, just like they always do. Always do the division. We always say the NFC, NFC South is probably one of the toughest divisions yeah. because it reminds me of the SEC, quite frankly, because you have a bunch of good teams that just beat up on each other and uh, <laughs> fighting for that position. And one game can, like last year, one game for us kept us from winning the division. Uh, so it, it really matters at this time, particularly when you start playing division opponents. Well, Mark, we want to thank you for your time. We don't, we don't want to keep you any longer. Um, but, again, thank you for your time. Obviously, I told you we wanted to talk to you because, you know, one of the great receivers in team history is emerging now as Mike Evans, but uh, also you're one of the great receivers in team history, one of the great players in team history. Yeah, so it took we really almost, what, 30 years to, to get took past it. Time, yeah, yeah, it took a long time. So thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate the invite. The Salty Dogs. Once again, we're back here on the Salty Dogs podcast for our final segment. Yep. We just finished talking to Mark Carrier, as, as I said a couple times, one of the great Buccaneers of all time. Yeah, nice guy. Really soft-spoken, though. Yeah, and I had only one year of overlap with him. I can't claim that I remember him all that well. I mean, I remember his name and everything that he did. So mm-hmm. it was good to get a chance to talk to him. He seems like a really, really sharp guy. He was like, he was like, if you want to compare it, uh, the Mike Evans of this time. That's who he was. Yeah, you mean in terms of in stature. terms as a fan yeah, and yeah. a stature is it that you if if, if Mark was going to get the ball, something good was going to happen. I've noodled around at times, uh, been asked for on projects and stuff, try to come up with the all-time Buccaneers team, like you know, not just the eleven starters on both sides, but mm-hmm. a, like a fifty-three man roster, so right. you can have four or five receivers. It's pretty clearly. It would pretty clearly start with Mike Evans, Mark Carrier, Kevin House, and I'd put Joey Galloway as the fourth. For now, yes. It's a little difficult to find the – well, I mean, is the fifth Vincent Jackson? Actually, maybe – no, Vincent May. Jackson might be ahead of Joey Galloway. So that's probably your five. Right. And if you get a sixth, I don't know if you're doing Keyshawn mm-hmm. or Keenan. I, yeah, now you start uh, – But I think you have to start with Mark, Mike Evans and Mark Carrier. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. No question. And his record did, did just get broken by, yep. Mike, by a great player in his own right in yep. a new era where passing numbers come – 
like crazy. Well, and, it, Mike would have gotten it eventually, but he got there quicker because of the era. And when Mark was playing, it was mostly running, especially with, uh, we, with Ray Perkins. In the 1980, 1989, we should have brought up, he set the record, the single season record for receiving yards in 1989. It's something like 1421, and that has not been broken. That's still mm. the record. Well, Mike Evans is on pace to break it. Keep and track so is of Deshaun. That. But uh, they're both on pace to break it this year, but that tends it's too early to believe in a pace after five. I years. noticed the one name you didn't bring up was Keyshawn Johnson. I did say it. Oh, okay. Yeah, after the five. Okay, then. Yeah. I don't think Keyshawn's ahead of No. Of, of Vincent, Mike, Mark, or Kevin House. Mm-hmm. You can make an argument about Joey Galloway, but I just have a soft spot for Joey Galloway. I think mm-hmm. he was one of the most underrated bucks during his best times. I would, I'd go with that. One day, maybe somebody can ask us about like the all-time team, and we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out a little bit more. Um, again, you know, I was one of these questions I'm going to read now um, uh-huh. is from the guy. It's actually just a it's a comment from the guy who asked us to get Kenny Gant and was really happy with the results. And I'm a little surprised that nobody else has made a suggestion. You really, know, we're one for one so far. Now two for two on suggestions. Carl Williams. Mm-hmm. So give us a try and see what we can do. Well, it makes it fun for us to know what you want to know. Okay, so you ready for the first question? Let's do it. This is a follow up. All right. And it, it begins, thanks for the answer, in quotation marks. Mm-hmm. Dad, so you can tell it's sarcastic. Dad, sure. and now you can tell who it is. If you could even call it that, may you please find the actual rule on what would happen if the first team to get the ball in overtime used up all the time and scored in a field goal and the other team didn't get a chance. That's from my son, Alex. I know. Because if I you just, recall, right. he, that question came up during the game we were watching together. I didn't know the answer. I said, send it into Salty Dogs. By the time we do the thing, I'll, I'll have an answer for you. And when we actually talked about it, I had a conjecture, but I didn't really have a, a, a official definitive answer. answer. And, and in the in the and I have it now. So I told him I, he wanted to know. I said, "Well, if you want to know, you're going to have to send me another right. question." You got to earn this, Alex. So, um, and and to give you an idea of the background here, after he asked that question, I asked three different coaches here, and uh, a, a guy who's uh, helps with strategy here. And everybody kind of felt like they thought they knew what it was, but nobody officially knew what it was. So did you officially get an answer? Here's how I got an answer, and it's a good source. Um, I asked our special teams coach, Nate Katzer, who's another great guy Mm -hmm. on our staff, and um, he said he would ask, apparently before games, they sidle up and talk to refs a lot. And, yeah, and I said, hey, there's an officials to... meeting. Well, no, but even just on the field oh, when they're okay. doing warm-ups, I said, you don't have to ask him that. And he goes, no, no, they love when you come up to talk to them about stuff like that. They love that stuff. They want to talk about we it. We might so, get a favorable call. So Nate did ask him, and it was Walt Coleman was a ref. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> And so continue. At least it wasn't Jeff Triplett. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, without without hesitation, um Walt Coleman said, that's the one scenario in which the first team doesn't score a touchdown, but the second team does not get a possession. So simply as we guessed, the game is over. If you, 10-minute overtime, you use up 9 minutes and 59 seconds to get the ball to 5, and then on the last second you kick a field goal, the rules say the other team's supposed to get a possession if all you get is a field goal or nothing at all. But in that case, there's no time, the game is over. So if you can possess the ball for, for the entire 10 minutes and score, more power to you, you win. You should win. There's your answer. I agree. I like it. I agree. So there we go. I learned something today. Thank you. You're welcome. Alex, thank you for being persistent with your father. He hasn't learned it yet until he listens to this podcast, Um, but he will learn it at some point too because I'm not going to tell him I'm going to make him listen. No, sure. All right. So here we go. Um, The next one is uh, from Brett Carpenter, who I was just talking about, who asked us for Kenny Gant. Scott, thank you so much. I just finished listening to the Kenny Gant episode. What a great show. Thank you guys so much. 
What a great life story, and so glad to hear he was doing well now. Thanks again, not only for reading my email, but getting Kenny and providing such a great show. I guess you can share some of the thanks with Jeff, too, oh, he says. Thanks, what Kenny. a suck-up he is to you. Jeez. <laughs> That'll work with Scott, just so you know. So I am the one who called going. Kenny. Yes, you did. So. Yes, you did. And if anybody didn't hear that one and is listening now, former Buccaneer uh, defensive back Kenny Gant, who was a special teams ace and was known as the Shark because of the dance he would mm-hmm. do, um, He's had some ups and downs, which he was very candid to talk very about much in his so. life. He says, earned millions, lost millions, partied too much when he was in the league. Yeah, I don't know how many shots we did. <laughs> yeah, with <laughs> Gary Busey. a great Busey. line, yes. With Gary Busey. <laughs> Never thought that was coming. Right. So uh, he is now a pastor at a church. Yes. And he's, he told us his two goals when he was seven years old were to play in the NFL and to be a pastor. So if you have two big life goals at seven and you reach them both, no matter what came in between, you're yeah, pretty strong. a good life. Yeah, right? I'd say that's pretty strong. So uh, our last question here okay. um, comes from Bobby from L.A. All right. Congrats to Drew Brees for claiming the all-time passing record. Well, fine. Yeah, okay. I guess. Uh-huh. He's a saint, though. So. Right. So my question is, how come passing yards are measured from the original line of scrimmage to the point that the player is tackled, forced out of bounds, or entered the end zone? Shouldn't it be from the line of scrimmage to the point of catch and then yak stats take over? Seems strange that those two stats overlap. Very much so. You know why it is? It's just because that's the way it has always been. If you were designing a game now from scratch and you were creating the game of football and deciding how you would record the stats, you might choose to do it differently. But, you know, as the past, as the forward pass developed in NFL history, that's just the way they did it. Mm-hmm. And it's stuck. And so everybody knows what it means. In fact, that's why you have stats like Yak, Yards After Catch, because as – the game has continued to develop, and as there have been more and more resources available and people that care about stats and a, a sort of a sabermetric influence on football, that like you have on baseball, they find new ways to break down stats to better describe what players are doing, and that's why a stat called Yak exists. So you can see Deshaun Jackson and say he's got 500 yards, but if you want to dig a little deeper and you know where to look, you can see that he has 380 yards at point of catch and another 120 yak and then you can get an idea for how an offense is working the buccaneers offense for the last three years has been one of the lowest in the league in yak because that's yards after catch but always among the highest in it's written as y and that ampersand c mm-hmm. which means yards at catch because the buccaneers tend to throw the ball farther downfield than most teams we are the king of the 19 yard pass <laughs> seriously we are so good I'm at so good at 19 yard so- passes so it's just, just just that's the way it is. I, let me throw in, uh, another one back at you, Bobby. How come a field goal that you that is snapped from the forty, but put down on the ground at the forty-eight mm-hmm. is a fifty-eight yard field goal? Because you're you're adding in the part that they snap backwards plus the ten yards. Ten yards to the back but, of the end zone. But a punt, if you punt from the forty to the end zone, is just a forty-yard punt, even though the punter is standing like fifteen yards back mm-hmm. from the snapper. Why doesn't he get credit for those fifteen yards punting when the field goal kicker does get credit? Why? I, just because that's the way it's. That's the way it is. That's well, just that's the way that's been determined to do it. But as I think a good point when you made is as time goes on, as the game goes on, they keep adjusting how you keep track of stats because at one time sacks didn't even count. No one counted them. Yeah, they knew they existed. They used the word that Deacon Jones came up with, mm-hmm. but they didn't count them. I'll tell you, it, it was only probably six or seven years ago that they that the league started making tackles basically an official stat mm-hmm. tackles for most of my career here have been sort of an unofficial stat that teams record themselves and kind of put out whatever number they want to but as you start having better stat collection and better stat services and everybody wanted to be able to compare now 
the the numbers you see everywhere just come straight from the same stat collection that happens during the game for catches and everything else. And I think that's way better. And I think I think you'll continue to see stats change just because of fantasy football. There's different ways to go, and I think fantasy football has driven stats yeah. more and more. And uh, there's all these services out there that want to try to um, convince you that they can grade players because that's one of the hardest things to do when analyzing football for mm-hmm. like a media analyst. How do they compare players from different teams in different systems and different can't. situations? They purport that they can, but it's still a little, uh, you know what I'm saying? But you want to know, we just signed Ali Marpet to a big new contract. Obviously, the guys upstairs think Ali Marpet's good, and they watch film, and they mm-hmm. have their reasons for believing so. And um, we should say congratulations. That's Ali. awesome. And our guys upstairs love Donovan Smith, too. Mm-hmm. You'd like to be, as a writer, you're going, the Bucks just gave blah, blah, blah to Ali Marpet. And then you want to say why, and you want to be able to compare him to other guards around the league. But how do you do that? There's no numbers for those guys other than what sacks have they allowed and how's the running game going. But we all know that it's not one guy that's responsible for making that happen. So how do you compare those guys? You can't, but it's something People to talk try about. To, though. Well, yeah. I if mean, you go on like pro football focus, they say, Ali Marquette's the sixth ranked mm-hmm. guard in the league or something. Mm-hmm. You just have to decide whose opinion you want to believe because it's really still just an opinion i also think too and when it comes to that is whether you're winning or not and then that, that everybody makes the it. pro bowl when we won in 1997 when mm-hmm. we went back to playoffs i think we had like eight guys go to the mm-hmm. pro bowl mm-hmm. like 99 we had it yeah we had a ton that 99 mm-hmm. yeah. 99 was yep. then everybody then then a guy that nobody ever thought of before like tony mayberry makes three pro bowls in a row because the bucks are winning and then and then like, well, you, you more and people they notice are, them. Yeah, they notice you're you're getting seen, and that's part of being on national TV. Yeah. Uh, that's changing more and more now because of you know what I'm going to say. The internet, it's changing the world. Yeah, you're you're saying internet and wagging your finger. I know, like you're saying, get off my lawn. I am, <laughs> <laughs> I am. As a matter of fact, get off my podcast. By the way, <laughs> let's both get off this. Podcast. All right, let's do that. You want to wrap it up? I here? will. I'm so sorry. send us. Thanks for listening. If you did. Okay. I'm not stealing your line. I'm just saying, uh, if you did listen and there's a Buccaneer or any guest that you'd like us to try to get on, let us know. We'll see. All right. Since you did, thanks for listening. <laughs>